0: Let's look at God's Word. Acts chapter 16. And this is a well known story. It's Paul and Silas uh, in prison and that incredible encountering power of God that sets them free. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposed the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do not do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. "'Ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Sinus. "'And he brought them out and said, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved? "'So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ "'and you will be saved, you and your household. "'Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him "'and all who were in his house. "'And he took them the same hour of the night, "'washed their stripes And immediately, he and his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into this house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. What an amazing passage. Santa told me a joke, by the way, which I need to share with you. Uh, It was yesterday. Why does Jesus not wear jewelry? Because he breaks every chain. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of that that I want to be thinking about today. We're looking at our second key mission statement as a church, which is encountering God's power, serving and transforming the world in which we live. Encountering God's power. And of course it follows on closely to what I was talking about last week. Embracing God's presence, worshiping extravagantly in spirit and truth. And of course, embracing and encountering, they have the same idea. You know, we're not invited to be spectators. You're not, in, if you like, invited into church just to watch and to look at what is going on. To look at a distance, if you like. And neither is this embracing and this encountering just for a few special people that God has set aside and chosen to have these great experiences. And if you remember last week as I was talking about embracing, embracing is actually hugging. It's not talking about taking someone into their arms. You're actually embracing the person. You're taking them close to you, literally Drawing them in. Drinking of the water of life as Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. Encountering demands. The same interaction and involvement. It's diving in deep into the power of God. Meeting him. Experiencing him. Knowing his touch and his power in our lives. Transforming us. As we live to see the world around us transform. And Paul writes this in Philippians 3. That I may know him, Jesus. And the power of his resurrection. Do you echo that prayer? Do you really want to know Jesus more? And the power of his resurrection. The answer is yes by the way. (laughs) Just to encourage you. Do you want to know God's power more? (laughs) Some of you do. I hope everyone does you know this must be our prayer our heart's desire as we seek to live in the presence of god but you know it's it's not a given you know as believers of jesus this is not a given in terms of our journey of faith there seems to be and i hope you relate to this because i do there's there's a human predisposition if you like a tendency for us to seek power without seeking the one who is all-powerful. It's very easy for us to be in awe of miracles, the, the signs and the wonders. We love to see these things without really knowing the one who is the miracle maker and brings it about. And we just have to look at Scripture to get a precedent for that. You see, the the Israelites, they saw demonstrations of God's power in the most extraordinary ways. The plagues that didn't affect them. The blood that was on the door of the lintels that covered them. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that guided and protected them. The sea that opened up before them and swallowed up their enemies The food from heaven that fed them. Amazing signs, wonders, and miracles. And yet when God called them to draw near on Mount Sinai, they kept at a distance except for one man, Moses. And we're told later on in Exodus 33, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that amazing? You see, we're not designed by God to keep at a distance. We're really not. God calls us to draw near. He invites us into his embrace. And he wants us to know his power. And his power is to transform our lives inside and out so that we can go into the world as he's called us to with his resurrection power and see the world transformed. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray the prayer, our Father in heaven, and I think it's wonderful that Becca chose this as a song. I mean, she didn't even know the preacher at the time. (laughs) You know, that is... Holy Spirit leading and guiding. But when Jesus taught us to pray the prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. This was not a wishful thinking prayer. This was not Jesus kind of like throwing out a prayer in the dark hoping that someone would catch it and receive it. This is Jesus revealing a truth and a reality that we can know heaven's kingdom presence and his power on earth as it is in heaven. Just let that sink in for a moment because You know, in the few moments I had this morning as I was preparing for it, it was just like God has just given me just a, a little bit more of a revelation of what that looks like. You see, there's no absence of power in heaven, there's no shadow of darkness in heaven, there's no lack of love or lack of His presence in heaven. And Jesus is calling us to pull down his presence and his power right now in our midst, where there is no absence, where there is no shadow of darkness, where there is no lack. And he's made it possible by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has demonstrated how this is done, modeling it to us, that what we can do is the same as what goes on in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is about living in the fullness of his presence and power. I mean, how often do we say this prayer, hoping something will happen in the future? And if you remember us talking last week about you know, embracing the presence of God, it's not embracing God's past or his future, it's embracing his presence now. God wants us to encounter his power now. But we have to agree with this declaration. Kingdom of God, come now. And actually what we're effectively saying in this prayer is, Jesus, come and make your home with us. He is very at home in heaven. And when we're saying, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven, Jesus, will you come and make your home with us? here and now. Let your power come. And what is this power? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him in the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all principality, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all that is his power i encourage you read that passage in ephesians 1:17 over this week because there's so much in that i mean is this the power that we want his wisdom and revelation. It's the power that opens our eyes to see. You know, you get a phone call from someone, or someone shares something about you, and automatically, the Holy Spirit gives you insight of what to pray for, and you pray that prayer, and power is released. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And when we think of the cross... Very often we look at it, if you like, from our perspective towards the cross of what Jesus has done for us. But actually when we look at Jesus and what he's done for the world, he destroyed the power of darkness. You know, in that moment, I don't know whether you've seen the, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Okay, you've got an idea. But one of the most powerful parts of that is when Aslan the lion is slain. You see, darkness thought it won It had won the victory. The lion slayed before them. And it could cover the land. And three days later, that power of darkness was destroyed for eternity. We're living, thank you, at the end times. Darkness has been destroyed. I know it's hard for us to see it. But you see, knowing the power of God in us, he gives us eyes to see through the shadows And to see through the absence and to see through the lack. And to see actually his light shining in and his glory coming. This is the power of God. The power that is far above all principalities. In other words, the power that destroys the demonic that is around us and affects us and grips us and takes strongholds. His power in us destroys all of that. And comes to set us free. But we can't be spectators of this power. We're not called to stand away from the mountain. He invites us in where his cloud of glory is. To see him face to face. As a man talks to a friend. And you see when we embrace this power, testimony has And I'm so grateful. I did say to Debbie, at some point it would be lovely to hear your testimony. (laughs) I didn't actually say today. But thank you so much. And it is so timely. People need to hear that. The power at work in our lives. As Heather shared, you know, the power at work. Saving this precious chap from sepsis. And restoring hope not only in him but in his family when we embrace this power testimonies happen and let me say this testimonies that are small ones and big ones testimonies that only god will give us the eyes to see actually what has happened A miracle of grace that might have happened in our lives or someone else's, but we can see that's from God. And then testimonies, massive ones that shake the ground. As we read in Acts 16. But you know, it's all the same power. And it's the power of God that he wants us to encounter. Let's just think about this testimony in Philippi. You know, Acts 16, it's it's an amazing rescue from jail. And it's a rescue of the jailer. And yet the context is often overlooked. We could say, you know, this has not been a great day in the office for Paul. At the end of chapter 15, we read that Paul has an argument with his fellow believer Barnabas, have we ever argued with one another? (laughs) Ever had a disagreement? It's here in the book. They had a disagreement. And actually the result was quite dramatic. It meant that Paul went his own way with Silas and Barnabas went his own way with Mark. And then what happens is God gives Paul a, a, a vision. And you know that... God loves to speak to us at nighttime. I was actually listening. Someone was speaking about Solomon. And you know the, 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 what we think of Solomon and the wisdom that he had. Actually the covenant Solomon made with the Lord about wanting wisdom was made at nighttime When he was asleep. That's really cool. That he was able to make a covenant in his sleep with the Lord. That changed his life and gave him the gift that actually radically changed the whole nation as well. God loves to speak to us, and in a vision, He came to Paul and He said, "Go to Macedonia; they're calling for you." So Saul goes off. Paul goes off. Sorry, and he meets people. He comes to Philippi. He leads a number of people to faith. As he's speaking about his faith, he's constantly bothered by this fortune-telling girl who can see the light that's within him. And again, we need to be aware of that. When Jesus dwells within us, darkness sees the light in us. I've had this a number of times when people have been in a kind of occultic practices. And uh, they've kind of, they're, they're looking at me and they're seeing something in me. And they're reacting to something. And they're wanting that very thing. And I'm just saying, it's... Not me, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. And there's a clash because if they don't accept Jesus as Lord, light does not entertain darkness. And you see, this fortune telling girl could see Jesus in Paul. And she kept kind of shouting out, you know, here is the Lord of the Most High, you know, here's the servant of the Lord Most High, and all of these things. And it's really bothering. Um Paul and what we're told is like he, he got really angry with us. You know, again, part of the old soul needed still to be healed. You know, there was stuff in his past, and you know, growing up, he was a motivated, bright, academic, angry young man. So much so, he approved of persecution, he approved of stoning, he wanted to go after the, the Christians when Jesus met him on the road of Damascus. And there was still stuff in his life that needed to be healed up and sorted out. And he's angry with this girl. And he turns around and he says, come out of you in the name of Jesus. And you see, at the name of Jesus, there is power. And this demon leaves her. And the owners of this fortune-telling girl were not happy. And they sight up a crowd and uh, they, they basically kind of rush at Paul and Silas and bring them before the magistrates. They're thrown into jail, but they're beaten with stripes. Not a great day at the office. And yet, what do we see Paul do? See, again, we kind of almost like romanticize stories that we read in Scripture. His body was beaten. He was in pain. When they beat people in those days, like they do today, the intention is to cause harm and pain. And it's likely, because of what we see in this, that not only are they both in pain, but they're in darkness. Pitch black darkness. I've only been locked up in a tomb once in darkness. It's true, true story. I was with my brother in Israel, we were visiting Lazarus' tomb, and we went in, and suddenly the door shut, and we were in pitch blackness for about, it's difficult to tell, it's about half an hour, 40 minutes, that's a long time to be in the dark. I don't know whether the guy who was overseeing this tourist site thought it was funny or not, went off for his lunch break or not, but my brother has reminded me a few times of me taking him on a tourist trip to Israel. Uh, some of the experiences, one being locked up in Lazarus's tomb, it's not fun. If you're in pitch black darkness, it's not fun. You know, what did Paul do and Silas? Did they moan? Did they grumble? Did they play that card? You know, I'm a Roman citizen, get me out of here right now. They worshipped. Proscunio is the Greek word. They bowed down and they pressed into the presence of God. And they sang songs of praise. They called heaven's presence into their midst. Heaven where there is no lack, no absence, no shadow. Into their midst. And Jesus came and made his home. They did what Jesus commanded the disciples to do. Matthew eighteen eighteen. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Or well, the New American Standard Bible where it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. You see, they, they bound the power of darkness and they loosed the light of heaven into their space. They bound doubt and fear and they released and loosened praise and freedom. And they were set free. Did they expect an earthquake? <laughs> I don't know. We can ask them when we get there. Probably not, probably not. But knowing God's resurrection power, knowing his power was a daily encounter for them, trusting that Jesus was in their midst, even in such a harsh and painful environment, they knew his power would be present and would set them free. And what a testimony. You see, it's these encounters with God that release the power of transformation in our lives. It's our encounters with Jesus that sets us free. Now, we may be hearing all of this and feeling in some way captive, tied down even we might use the word beaten up with things that are happening or in pain some of us may even be feeling a distance from the lord it's like we're we're watching a screen you know looking at a distance wondering if anything will change but you know distance with god is only the space we create not what he does. Captivity is only the state we look upon, not God looking at us. And if his resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, can break every chain and overcome every shadow. And if his invitation is for us to encounter this power, then the choice is in our hands. See, we can keep at a distance, you know, as Christians, as believers, as the people of God, like the Israelites did. We can. We can choose to stay at a distance and look at it from afar. We can actually stay in places of captivity and I, I, I I'm very conscious in my own life that I have seen the way that God has set me free with different things. Things that have gripped me, he's come to set me free, but there are other things in my life that I need freedom from. And it's an ongoing process. And I think that's probably true for all of us. But we can stay in places of captivity. And it can be things like Captive to anger or fear or doubt or whatever it is that's going on in our lives. Or as Paul and Silas did here, in the place of darkness, we can invite heaven in. We can invite heaven's kingdom power to come. We can ask Jesus, will you come and make your home here with me, I, just, I see this, Jesus standing before each one of us, inviting us to encounter his presence and his power, to come to him, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, with unveiled faces, the mask ripped off, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord in order to be transformed by the same image from glory to glory. By the Spirit of the Lord. And the question is Will you come? Will you let him who wears no jewelry because he breaks every chain come and set you free? Let's stand together.